0: This is the John Oakley show podcast. All right, let's get back into an hour two. a great day for talk radio colder days ahead. Boy, Danny, that sounds ominous. Uh, getting down to minus 15. Well, that's the high. The overnight low dips down to minus 21 with the wind chill. Uh, it's just too scary to even consider. But uh, that's this weekend. So you want to brace yourself for that dress accordingly and uh, all the rest. By the way, uh, speaking of a chill, uh, this is interesting. The Prince of Pot, Mark Emery, being accused of uh, grooming and inappropriate sexual behavior. When we say grooming, uh, prepping underage girls for uh, sexual activity. So says the Toronto journalist Deirdre Olson, whom I've never heard of, but uh, this was a Twitter post, uh, I guess, or she went on Facebook, rather. He's responded, uh, and uh, he denies all of these allegations of taking impressionable, vulnerable girls and, uh, you know, creating a toxic culture that talked about his sexual exploits and so on and so forth. Uh, he, of course, is the one behind, uh, I guess, the cannabis dispensary chain, Cannabis Culture, uh, none of which were granted licenses to be dispensaries here in Ontario, as far as I could make out. But they're poised. And, you know, he fought the battle long uh, before it became fashionable and pot was legal, uh, did a stretch in a U.S. jail. I think he got five years down there selling seeds online and so on and so on. But this is where uh, it gets interesting because... He and his wife, Jody, I guess, with a presence in Toronto, too, feeling they had a beachfront or a foothold on the business, uh, would have liked to have seen and maybe still were holding out the prospect that somewhere along the line, when uh, more than 25 dispensaries are granted in the province based on supply, uh, they might be participants in what could just be seen as a new gold rush. Now, whether or not... This knocks him out of the box or disqualifies him. Uh, that's one point of consideration. But the business, the business model in general. Twenty-five lottery winners. Uh, we're told that some have already been offered to partner uh, with perhaps bigger entities, uh, existing people who have, you know, kind of got uh, a handle on this whole thing. They've been offered anywhere from three to five million dollars. Is that a good business gambit? To answer and address all of these questions, we're joined on the line by James West. He's the publisher and recognized authority on investing in the emerging company segment. He uh, produces a journal called the Midas Letter that looks at best-in-class companies in all sectors. Matter of fact, uh, in his letter he says, I'm not telling subscribers what to invest in. I'm telling you what I'm investing in, why I'm investing, and how I arrive at this determination. So, James West, let's get you here on the Oakley Show and uh, find out if you're invested in cannabis at all. James, good afternoon. Are you?
1: Uh, that would be an understatement. I am very deeply invested in cannabis in so many ways.
0: All right. <laughs> let's keep the personal out of this. All right. So, but it's legal well, now, so good for you. Uh, yeah, we couldn't have bragged about that just uh, a few short months back. But uh, So what prompted you to that? get in deeply into the cannabis industry? What do you see?
1: Uh, well, I I'd have to. I'm happy to be able to disclose that I've been in the cannabis industry my entire adult and uh, youth life. Uh, so, as growing up in a family of pot smokers and pot growers, and I actually was, uh, you know, found myself in the uh, underground economy in the um, marijuana space uh, as a teenager through my 20s. I was a grower out in BC, and so when it finally came along as a as a legal business, I he'd a sigh of relief and thought, finally, something coming along that I don't actually have to study for. Hmm.
0: Well, how about the Emory's? They've been involved in it a long time, too. And uh, what I just sort of gave you a synopsis of here moments ago, these allegations against them, and I guess that's all they are right now, are allegations he's denying them in an Hmm. 1,800-word posting on social media, Uh, would that in any way, shape, or form taint the Emory project going forward?
1: Well, you know, the issue of sexual inappropriate sexual uh, behavior by anybody always has the unfortunate side effect of clouding whatever that individual's other accomplishments might be. And so I can't speak to uh, Mr. Emery's behavior. I I didn't really know him that well personally. so, uh, but but obviously nobody wants to be associated with somebody who might be ultimately found to be guilty of such behavior. But I again, I'm I'm not I'm not in a position to comment on that really because I didn't know him personally, and I've I've never heard anything like that before.
0: Yeah, and that's always a risk of an allegation, and, uh, you know, you want to be very guarded, or at least I do, you know, when you're firing away, sometimes uh, the taint is something you can't recover from, you know, uh, if it's proven not to be true or there's not substantiation to it. So let's leave that for now. I'm just curious then, from your perspective of having been in the business, uh, you know, uh, whether it was illicit or now legal, uh, what did you make of the lottery of 25 dispensaries and the way they were allocated across the province, five only for Toronto? Uh, seems like some folks whose number came out of the hat are hanging on to a gold ring.
1: Yeah, well, hanging uh, on to a gold ring or a uh, or a ticking time bomb, I mean, the, the lottery process was, like much of the process of legalization and, and regulation throughout Canada, as a bit of a head scratcher in many respects. I mean, to expect somebody without deep experience in the retail space to be able to launch a, a fully operational retail location uh, and be in compliance with all of the rules and zoning and everything within three months strikes me as unrealistic at best and, and downright ludicrous. So we sort of watched the unfolding of the drama at first we thought, well, let's try to get a license. And then we thought, no, there's no point because the $6,000 irrevocable entry fee, the $50,000 line of credit that starts getting taxed at $12,500 for every two weeks, you're not open. We just thought this is, this is just an unfolding disaster of epic proportions. And in fact, uh, on, on minus letter, we've interviewed, uh, two lottery winners now. And, uh, you know, one gentleman was a, an accomplished businessman, and so he's had a license in Brampton. And so you look at him and you say, okay, well, he's, if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be somebody like this. But then the other, the other uh, party was not uh, versed in business, was not experienced in retail or any aspect of business, and we thought, well, this is not, <laughs> this is not good. Um, so, And then we talked to a gentleman from a licensed producer, who had made all kinds of arrangements and provisions and had actually optioned real estate in anticipation of being granted a license, only to find that the government of Ontario opted for this lottery process, which resulted in them being disqualified at this time with no date in the future disclosed for when they might be eligible to launch a store. So that whole process leaves us, you know, sort of shaking our heads. And at the end of the day, I question you know if the, if we're supposed to be a you know a democratic society in a free market then shouldn't anybody who wants to open a store be allowed to and let mar- market forces determine whether or not they succeed and
0: well that would be the ideal look i'm very supportive of that but that's the point of this lottery it tends to democratize the process as much as it's flawed let's uh really put the blame uh, where it lies and that's the feds miscalculating the supply chain it's created downstream problems including the the province that responds by saying what the hell we wanted dispensaries anywhere and everywhere that the people had the wherewithal to open one but now we had to limit the first tranche and if it had been uh you know 25 licenses given out selectively to people in the industry they would have been accused of playing favorites picking winners and losers
1: well there's, there's no doubt about that i mean i mean i I say that it leaves me shaking my head, not that I have a better solution on how to approach this problem, but uh yeah that you know absolutely it's a you know the whole rollout of the of the marijuana legislation everything was obviously hurried, there's obviously some political hay being made by the legalization of cannabis, and so well kudos to the to the government who came up with that idea but uh you know it is it is it is a a new industry, or rather an old industry that's emerging from a long period of prohibition. And so obviously there's going to be a whole bunch of growing pains, and I don't think that there's any, you know, perfect formula. Uh, And the lottery process, yeah, it gave some people a shot at owning a pot store who probably never thought they'd be doing so. So in in some respects, I guess it, it was okay.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like a grub stake. You know, Uh, the people who find the gold aren't necessarily the ones who are always coming away with the riches because things happen. Like, let me ask you, uh, consolidation or partnering with some of these lottery winners, as I said at the outset. Offers have been forthcoming, anywhere from three to five million, I was told, and that was just in the aftermath. I don't know if that scale has changed if there have been more offers to because two-thirds of the lottery winners are individuals many of whom as you cited have no experience or business being in the business how important then would consolidation or partnering be
1: well the the key to successfully launching any retail location in part at least is access to capital and retail experience so i would i would think and in fact we did hear from our, our guest earlier today on uh who is within diva corporation the LP I mentioned that they were actively in discussion to partner with the lottery winners because they had the money they had the know-how they have the product and they were willing to put capital forward to partner with this lottery winner to you know to get their product into the market so uh, in many respects I think that that will be the default way most of these 25 lottery winners actually succeed if they do succeed will be by partnering with existing cannabis uh, enterprises, especially publicly traded ones that have access to capital on Bay Street.
0: By the way, how important is a head start? It could be about eight months, even longer, maybe a year, uh, if you've got that kind of a, a toehold. Is that critical?
1: <clears throat> well, it's you have to have your store open by April 1st, according to the lottery rules, and if right. you don't, then you're fined $12,500, and then again in 15 days after that is my understanding. Uh,
0: Another twelve but, five?
1: Yeah, so you know they don't really have the luxury of of the time frame that would normally take to properly site and develop a retail strategy at a location. So that again, like even even a, an established retail giant, I mean even a Starbucks lo- take location takes six months to open. But by the time they start for, from when they start construction, so. That's that's again, you know, where you kind of look at the rules of the of the lottery, and you you think, well, is it actually a, a you know nirvana from heaven, or is it actually just a ticking time bomb?
0: I heard somebody's trying to uh, partner up with Second Cup, you know, use that storefront and uh, make that the marijuana dispensary if it's in a, a primo location. Smart move.
1: Yeah, well, part, well, Second Cup made the announcement of an intention to enter into the cannabis space several months ago. Uh, And it had the anticipated effect of of bringing a rise in their share price. And so, you know, there were a number of companies that followed suit, uh, you know, making announcements indicating an interest in the cannabis space. And it had an uplifting effect on their share price. So, uh, you know, whether Second Cup is, is sincerely planning to convert coffee shop locations into cannabis retail locations, I would think they'd be open to that, especially in stores that might not be doing so much coffee sales if they're close to a Starbucks or something, but uh, yeah, it could be a smart move for sure.
0: Yeah, especially if they've got uh, a location that's uh, rather enviable with only five in Toronto, five uh, dispensary lottery uh, winners so far, (laughs) you know, somebody's got, uh, yeah. They've got yeah. the uh, hammer in so far as that's concerned. Listen, i got to let you run, but I appreciate your uh, weighing in on this and thoughts from the lottery of last week. James West, the CEO and host of Midas Letter Live. Thanks so much for your time, James. Thank you. You got it. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.